Many people think of colonial endeavours in India as a British thing, but Dana Angwan uh, has looked into the French in India as a colonial power. Uh, she has recently published a book with us called A Colonial Affair, Commerce, Conversion and Scandal in French India. Uh, she is the Assistant Professor of History and Aspect at Virginia Tech, and she has kindly agreed to come on to the podcast today, uh, partly to talk about her book and also to talk about her forthcoming Twitter party on February 27th and what that all entails. So we'll chat with her today. I'm Martin Beanie, and this is 1869, the Cornell University Press podcast. Welcome, Dana. Uh, thank you very much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. So um, a few things to chat about. The, 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 the Twitter party is kind of really interesting and, and exciting, and I think we'll get into that. Um, that's, that's a terrible tease for everybody. But um, before we do, why don't you tell us uh, or give us a little bit of the background um, on your new book, A Colonial Affair? The book is simultaneously a microhistory of a very dramatic story that was known in both France and India as the Nanyapa Affair, which is the rise, fall, and then posthumous rehabilitation of a Tamil broker named Nanyapa, who worked for the French East India Company early in the 18th century in Pondicherry. And, but it's also more broadly a, a global consideration of French empire in the East. And it tries to consider what characterized that empire. And it uses the Nanyapa affair and the details of this dramatic tale to show that conflict between the project of making money, um, that is trade, and the project of making Christians, that is the missionary effort, even though both were charted and directed by the French crown, were fundamentally in opposition with one another. And the battle over Nanyapa's role in the colony was a way for all of these different actors, traders, missionaries, Tamil intermediaries, to articulate contesting visions of what French empire should be. So it sounds as though you had, I mean, you know, when you think about making a movie, for instance, right, mm -hmm. you have a natural plot line here that's, that's got every, uh, every um, element that is needed for that kind of thing. So give us a little uh, taste of some of the drama and uh, conflict and all those kind of things that that you alluded to uh, in that opening. So let me give you one very, um, I think, striking example. Um, imagine that in one year we find a, this man who had been the most powerful uh, Indian, and in many ways the most powerful man in town, Nanyapa, in a prison cell. And for days he's held there, and he doesn't even know why he's being held. And then through a series of interrogation, um, with the French governor, he's ultimately convicted of tyranny and sedition and taken to the central bazaar in town and flogged in front of the town and all of his money and wealth and power taken from him. So this is one moment, right? Huh. And now we move forward, it's only three years later, and this man's son, his name is Guru Vapa, is in Paris in this very ornate and beautiful chapel of the Palais Royal in the middle of Paris, the private uh, chapel of the royal family. And he's kneeling to embrace Christianity. And his godfather is the regent of France, Philippe de Orléans. Yeah. Uh, and a few months later, he actually kneels again, this time to become a, a French nobleman who receives a, a French order of nobility. 
And the governor, the same French governor who had been the one interrogating Nanyapa uh, so brutally, he is put in shackles and sent back from uh, India to Paris and is made to pay Nanyapa's family reparations. So the kind of the wild shift of dramatic reversal um, is a really interesting feature of this affair because it's not that surprising um, you know, for a colonial power to decide, oh, here we have a native intermediary who's taken on too much power and we're going to you know, take away that authority, take away that power. That is kind of where the fate of Nanyapa, we could expect it uh, to mm. end. But this um, reversal in which it's his family and his allies, which actually come out on top, and his descendants actually hold this position of chief commercial broker to the French company for almost uh, a century after his death. Um, this is where the story becomes really surprising. And the way to understand it is um, the extent to which local intermediaries were a fundamental feature of the deployment of French authority in India. All right. Um... So, obviously, the, there is a, a colonial aspect here, hence the title and, and more. Um, and, and maybe it's just my uh, misunderstanding or misinterpretation, but I really feel as though colonialism has um, jumped to the fore uh, within academic circles and more broadly uh, in, in sort of recent times. Is, a, is, the, um, is my sense correct? And B, if so, what is your sense of why that has become more and more prevalent recently? Well, I mean, I think you're absolutely right that the field of colonial history has absolutely exploded in the past, let's say, 20 years. And I can say specifically for French history, it's been a very dramatic reversal um, from a situation in which colonial and imperial history was understood as being very marginal, let's say, to French history or what French history was understood to be and yeah. um, to an absolute reversal just to give a little um, pragmatic example you know when I would go to conferences like the big French history conferences say you know 10 or 12 years ago there would be you know a handful of um, colonial panels and very very few that are actually situated in the Indian Ocean whereas you know this last conference that I went to, um, the large French history conference, you know, I was spoiled for choices. I mean, multiple conferences on the French in Asia at the same time. Uh, it's an incredible feeling, actually. I think the reason that um, French history historically had tended to ignore the history of colonialism, and especially in this earlier period in the 17th and the 18th century, um, is complicated. I think one reason has to do, um, and I'm, this is not an argument that, that I have made, it's uh, been well developed by historians of uh, the 20th century, um, but one reason has to do with the trauma of the war in Algeria um, and the extent to which this is something that some scholars have turned a collective fit of amnesia when it comes to French colonial history, right? Um, and it's really only in the 90s that a real reckoning with imperial and colonial history has come to be a central feature of this historiography. And looking at it from the position of India, um, I think again, it's, it's the 19th and the 20th century that help us understand why this has been neglected to a large extent, which is kind of the looming um, giant shadow of the British Raj for the history of colonialism in India has loomed so large as to obscure 
uh, other experiences. And this is true not only for the French, but also for the Dutch and the Portuguese experiences to a large extent in which a history of colonial India has by and large been a history of the origins, consequences, and formations of British India. Right, yeah, I think if you asked uh, non-specialists or, or even maybe just, you know, more generally than that, non, non-academics, I think most people would say, oh yeah, the, the, the British in India, yeah, absolutely, so there's no shame in that. Actually, when I, I give talks, often I start by asking who here is surprised to find out that the French had colonies in India. And I myself raise my hand when I ask that question because oh, yeah. I did not also know that to be the case. The, the Dutch I was probably a, a little bit aware of, but I, yeah, I, I will absolutely confess, yeah, the, the, the French impact in, in uh, India I was unaware of. So another great reason to, to dive into your book. Um, Okay, so uh, skipping a little bit into a different direction, you have what, has, what is termed as a, a Twitter party coming up. So tell us about this, because it sounds fascinating. Yes, so this is happening on Tuesday, February 27th. All day long, I will be on Twitter. Uh, this was the brainchild of uh, my wonderful colleague and also recent author, Melanie Kichel, uh, who will be hosting uh, this party. And the idea is that um, I think Twitter has been, for me, for the past year or so that I've been on it, a wonderful intellectual community. Um, almost everyone that I follow on Twitter is a historian, and I learn a lot from um, reading people's uh, various kinds of threads, whether they're about history or about their cats. Um, and these are people that I don't actually get a chance to meet in person very often, sometimes on a conference circuit, but not always. And the Twitter book party is a chance for us all to get together and, and one, celebrate the publication of the book, but I think hopefully more importantly, also to have a conversation about some of the interests that we share and having to do with colonialism, empire, microhistory, methodology, archival research. Um, and the way it's going to work is that I will be spending Tuesday uh, on Twitter, answering questions, posing questions, um, mediating conversations, and I hope that many people can join. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I think this is a great idea, and I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing how you, how you do this and, and how the interaction goes. Are there, um, are there subjects that are off limits for people? <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. I mean, I've done a little bit of prep, kind of trying to think in advance, um, you know, what are the kind of the key issues that I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. And some of the topics are, you know, intellectual issues that I think engage, you know, anyone who works on the history of colonialism, the history of South Asia, the history of France, the history of the Indian Ocean. But I'm really also hoping that this can be a conversation about process and um, so one kind of set of things that I thought I would talk about um, are the different archives in which this book uh, came into life and what makes them awesome and what makes some of them awful. Mm. Uh, I'm thinking of the Van F in Paris right now. That's on the awful part. Um, something else I was hoping to talk about is um, kind of the methodology and practice of a book coming to take its shape. Because this book actually, when I started working on it, was not supposed to be a microhistory of the Nanyapa affair. And for me to come to terms with what this book actually wanted to be and what I wanted it to be was a process where I had to um, give up 
on some of the ideas that I had about what the book was and what kind of historian I was. And specifically on this issue, like I never thought that I would write a microhistory. Mm-hmm. And coming to understand, I think, why this book worked as a microhistory and what microhistory actually was as both a methodology and a theory um, has been one of the most intellectually rewarding process parts of the process of writing the book. So I'm hoping we'll have a fair amount of process talk as well. Well, great. Any room for uh, cats, seeing as we already brought those up? <laughs> uh, no cats, but I'm happy to make uh, food recommendations in various uh, archival settings. Um, I, you know, what I, I really enjoy about this is that, <clears throat> and you alluded to it a little bit in the sense of the community that you have found and developed within uh, Twitter. And I, I just think it's really exciting to hear a, uh, a scholar really embracing um, this form of communication. And, and, and there are many who do, but there are also obviously many who, who do not. And I just think it's such a great platform for um, a very broad discussion of things we're all involved in. And, and, and obviously for you, that's, you know, um, uh, French history, colonial history, and so on. But, you know, just where it takes you from there, the whole process that you're talking about is really fascinating so right yeah I have to say that there have been it's been very much a surprise to me actually the way in which um, the intellectual community on Twitter um, translates into the real world in very tangible ways so I now have done two different conference panels that are um, a result of people that I met on Twitter kind of coming together and I'm in the process of organizing a kind of a second book workshop extravaganza. That's also an idea that I stole from seeing early Americanists do this on Twitter. Like, you know, these are people very far from my field. I wouldn't have known about this. So the ways in which, you know, there's a really interesting intellectual conversation that goes on in Twitter, but also the ability of that conversation to transform into kind of real world interaction has been really productive. Don't you just love that, um, you know, when you, when you do meet somebody in person that you've known on Twitter, there's, there's almost like, oh, I know you. Oh, wait, well, actually, I don't, but... <laughs> I know, I know. There's like a wonderful kind of awkwardness about that. It's like, oh, person that I've never met who I actually love. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great... That makes me, uh, makes me smile every time that happens. So I'm yeah. glad that you get to experience it as well. Um, okay, one more time. Tell us, uh, Twitter party is, is February 27th. Is that right? Yes. And, uh, Tuesday, February 27th, I will be available fielding questions, opening conversations all day long. And your Twitter handle is? At Dan Agmon. D-A-N-N-A-A-G-M-O-N, correct? That's right. All right, wonderful. Well, we will be uh, from the Cornell Press account, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, making sure to, to publicize this next week. And uh, yeah, I'm, I really hope you have a Great set of questions and just a fun experience all around. Great. Thank you, Martin, so much. And I'll see you on Twitter then on the 27th. Yes, indeed. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us and and chatting about the book and and the Twitter party. Thank you. That was Adana Agmon, Assistant Professor of History and Aspect at Virginia Tech. Her book is A Colonial Affair, Commerce, Conversion and Scandal in French India. You can... uh, Partake in the Twitter chat, the Twitter party, on February 27th. She's available all day long on Twitter.
at Dana Agmon, D-A-N-N-A-A-G-M-O-N. You can follow me on Twitter at Martin Beeney, M-A-R-T-Y-N-B-E-E-N-Y. Um, and because we love Dana so much and uh, want you to buy her book, we're also offering you a 30% discount. Just use the code 09POD when you place an order with us on uh, our website at cornellpress.cornell.edu. You've been listening to 1869, the Cornell University Press podcast.